Georgia's DBHDD is urging people to store and lock away all medications to prevent theft and keep them away from children and pets. Old medications can be disposed at Dropbox locations. Dropbox locations can be found at opioidresponse.info. Welcome to the Georgia Today podcast from GPB News. Today is Tuesday, October 3rd. I'm Peter Biello. On today's episode, a new study finds the number of kids being treated for mental illness is on the rise. A new rule allows high school athletes in Georgia to profit from their own name, image, and likeness. And an Outcast album becomes rap's top-selling record of all time. These stories and more are coming up on this edition of Georgia Today. A new study finds the number of children and young adults being treated for mental health concerns rose between 2019 and August of last year. GPB's Ellen Eldridge reports on what's likely driving the increase. The report says school closures, social distancing, and the loss of family members contributed to the increase. Attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, anxiety disorders, and adjustment disorders accounted for most mental health care visits and spending. Katherine Allen is a child and adolescent counselor with ThriveWorks in Atlanta. So within the past three years, there is definitely an adjustment period and definitely anxiety, I can say that. Now, um, there there have been cases of depression. Um, there have been, you know, children that are experiencing um, educational neglect. Last year, suicide was the third leading cause of death for Georgians between 10 and 34 years old. For GPB News, I'm Ellen Eldridge. About 100 people with loved ones incarcerated in Georgia prisons protested outside the Georgia governor's mansion today to demand Governor Brian Kemp take action against prison violence. GPB's Grant Blankenship reports. Protesters were kept about a football field away from the neoclassical columns of the governor's mansion in Atlanta's Buckhead neighborhood. Carrie Prophet carried a poster board photo collage of her son. She says the Georgia Department of Corrections has a staffing problem. Because they don't have enough guards, they keep all the housing units unlocked which, she says, led to her son being assaulted. The lack of guards posed a different danger when he was placed in what was supposed to be a safe cell of his own. And they were supposed to check on him every 15 minutes. And he died May 6th of this year. Prophet's son took his own life, one of 28 suicides in Georgia prisons to the end of August this year. Rashonda Russell traveled from Detroit to protest on behalf of her son, who she says files formal grievances with GDC when he feels threatened. She says those go nowhere. And nobody wants to help you, not even an attorney. It's, it's, they're scared. Russell says as a result, violations of inmates' civil rights are ignored until it's far too late. My son has to be dead, I mean, forgive me, but he has to be gone in order to get help. And that's not fair. It's not fair at all. September marked two years of a federal Department of Justice investigation into Georgia prison conditions. For GPB News, I'm Grant Blankenship in Atlanta. The Georgia High School Association is allowing high school athletes to make deals to profit from their name, image, and likeness two years after Georgia college athletes got the same allowance. The group's executive director, Robin Hines, says the vote by the association's board yesterday was inevitable after 31 other states already allowed such agreements. It's coming. It's going to be here. And it's just a matter of, uh, you know, are you going to get your hands around it and make sure that it's what it is that you need to do? The new rules come with a number of restrictions aimed at separating the school from the athlete in commercial sponsorships. So no school logos, names, or uniforms in ads, for example. 
The rules also prevent athletes from making agreements tied to enrollment in any specific school or tied to athletic achievement. What you have to remember, it says you cannot capitalize off of athletic performance. You can't pay for play. You know, a, a student can't get paid for scoring a touchdown or, you know, you know these type of things. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of shocked a little bit at, the, at all the attention. Hines says the association wanted to approve name, image, and likeness deals before litigation or state lawmakers forced them to. You can hear more of the conversation with Hines about the NIL decision, as well as other big issues in Georgia high school sports, in this week's episode of the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast, out tomorrow. Federal health care agencies are recommending people get the updated COVID vaccine, which offers people better protection against new variants. But getting a shot has been tricky. Shipping delays and insurance snags have added to the difficulty. And in rural areas, getting the shot is even harder, as GPB's Sophie Gratis reports. It's the first time healthcare providers are having to pay out of pocket to order the vaccines since the federal government stopped supplying them for free following the end of the COVID-19 public health emergency. Each dose costs around $130. That's also the cost to people who can't get it covered by insurance. Pharmacist at Sandersville Drug Company, Lisa McDonald, says it's no surprise smaller pharmacies in rural communities are hesitant to stock up. So here we're having to put the money up front, not even knowing what the third-party insurances are going to pay, and I don't think we'll have people paying out-of-pocket cash for them. Meaning they have to order doses strategically. For GPB News, I'm Sophie Gratis. A coalition of environmental groups is calling on the federal government to enact emergency rules to protect a vanishing species of whale from lethal collisions with large ships. The groups filed their petition with the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration late last month in an effort to protect the North Atlantic right whale. The giant whale's calving grounds are located off the coast of Georgia and Florida. They number less than 340. NOAA says ship collisions are among the most dire threats to the survival of the whales, and it's proposed a rule to prevent them by making more vessels slow down for whales. Conservationists say protection is needed before the migration season, which begins in fall. Commissioners in southeast Georgia's McIntosh County have canceled their next public meeting. This comes following a recent commission vote to rezone a historic Gullah Geechee community. GPB's Benjamin Payne reports. McIntosh County officials violated Georgia's open meetings law multiple times last month by barring the public from recording public meetings about the rezoning of Sapelo Island. The measure was roundly criticized by the Gullah Geechee community, who fear the change will open their ancestral land to outside developers. The county courthouse where the meetings took place was filled to capacity, leading the sheriff to raise security concerns. But the courthouse was staffed with sheriff's deputies and had a walk-through metal detector required for entry. Now, McIntosh County commissioners are looking for a new place to hold meetings, and they plan to convene a special gathering in the coming weeks. For GPB News, I'm Benjamin Payne. The Krispy Kreme on Ponce de Leon Avenue in Atlanta is set to reopen next week, October 10th, more than two years after the original building was destroyed by arson. The donut shop, owned by former NBA star Shaquille O'Neal, has been a staple in the community for nearly 60 years. Krispy Kreme says the new shop balances modernization and the location's history, including a custom mural and plaque and a refurbished iconic Krispy Kreme heritage sign. An organization opposed to a planned police and firefighter training center in Atlanta has released a list that it says are corporations that have contracts to build the controversial facility. 
The list published yesterday by the American Friends Service Committee comes days after the city of Atlanta released the names, addresses, and phone numbers of people who signed petitions seeking a referendum to stop the center's construction. It's the latest development in the fight over a referendum that is a direct result of a Georgia Supreme Court decision in February that opened the door for citizen initiatives to overturn decisions made by local officials. It's a major shift in the relationship between Georgians and their local governments, and it all started with a proposed spaceport in southeast Georgia's Camden County that voters there overwhelmingly rejected last year. GPB's Orlando Montoya spoke with Claire Norens, a University of Georgia Law School assistant clinical professor, about the change. She also directs UGA's First Amendment Clinic, which represents clients on a range of First Amendment issues, including the right to petition the government for redress of grievances. Well, the first time I became aware of this issue was through the Camden County spaceport Uh, controversy or difference over um, what the community members wanted versus what the county commissioners wanted in terms of building this spaceport launching site uh, over protected uh, wetlands. And it seemed I got involved kind of late in the process as as an amicus party, but it seemed like the, the residents of that community had really tried everything that they could to have input into the process really trying to bring uh, to the commissioner's attention the harm it would bring to the community, both environmentally and also for the quality of life of the people who live there. And it was only as a last resort that they looked to the Georgia state constitution, which does allow for petitions that can lead to referendum votes. If it was in the constitution all this time, how come nobody used it before? That's a really good question. I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, Is it hard? It takes a lot of work to to collect enough signatures on a petition to meet the legal threshold for requiring a referendum vote. So, you know, under the state constitution, it can be anywhere from 10 to 25 percent of the registered electors in the county. And then those signatures have to be certified as you know, authentic and legitimate. And then at that point, the referendum vote would be mandated. So it's not something that can be easily or lightly done. It really is a a measure of last resort. And again, maybe I would ask, if it was in the Constitution all this time, why did it even have to go to the Supreme Court? Well, the conflict was really between what the state constitution says about home rule for counties And then there's a statutory municipal home rule. So um, this was an act adopted in 1965 by the Georgia State Legislature that gave cities or municipalities home rule authority to hold petitions and, and referendum votes. So the language between the statutory home rule for cities and then the constitutional provision that gives home rule power to counties the language of those two laws was is very parallel. So the Supreme Court now has cleared this up, and in its decision, the justices predicted that this would unleash a series of petitions over a range of issues, zoning, alcohol ordinances, whatever, which would be expensive for local governments. McIntosh County, is, is residents are pledging to start a petition drive there. And there's the controversial Georgia Police Training Center that some refer to as Cop City. Where are we headed with these cases? And is it too soon to tell whether this is an issue of like a genie being let out of the bottle? I think it's a little too soon to tell. I think um, 
it's no small thing, as we mentioned, to organize a petition drive and to collect enough signatures and have them certified and then to hold hold the vote. And then you've got to get people out to vote, right? Because if you don't have a majority vote, then the vote doesn't help you. So I think we need to let it play out a few more years and see how many of these petitions really come to pass. But I, I wouldn't necessarily say that an increased number of petition and referendums is a, is a bad thing. I understand it may be inconvenient for the city or county government officials who have done something that the people don't like. But, but I think in terms of having a participatory democracy, it's important that we have these checks and balances. That was Claire Norris of the University of Georgia's First Amendment Clinic and the University of Georgia Law School. She was speaking with GPB's Orlando Montoya about citizen-led petition drives in Georgia. School officials in Savannah's Chatham County say a high school football player died after suffering a medical emergency on the sidelines of a game last night. The junior varsity team from Windsor Forest High School was playing when on-site emergency responders rushed to help one of its players. The district did not release the player's name and gave no further details about what happened. A statement says he was pronounced dead after being taken to a hospital. The student had played earlier in the game but had rotated out before needing medical attention. In baseball news, the Miami Marlins face the Phillies in Philadelphia this evening for the first of a three-game wildcard series. The first team to win two of those games will go on to face the Braves in Atlanta on Saturday. The Braves are preparing for the kickoff of the division series Saturday with game simulation workouts today through Thursday. The team also announced today that Braves legend Andrew Jones will throw out the ceremonial first pitch on Saturday, and Grammy Award winner Jason Isbell will throw out the first pitch on Monday's Game 2. And Atlanta rap duo Outkast's 2003 double album Speaker Box, The Love Below, has surpassed an album by Eminem to become the genre's top-selling record. The Recording Industry Association of America says Speaker Box, The Love Below, achieved 13 times platinum status late last month. Eminem's The Eminem Show reached 12 times platinum in March of last year. The group's fifth studio album, Speaker Box, The Love Below, featured popular hits Roses, Hey Ya, and The Way You Move. This milestone comes as the duo celebrates the 25th anniversary of the release of Aquemini, which Rolling Stone said at the time cemented, quote, Atlanta's reputation as hip-hop's most avant-garde area code. And that is it for this edition of Georgia Today. If you want to learn more about any of these stories, visit our website, gpb.org news. And if you haven't subscribed to this podcast yet, highly recommend it. Do it now and we will pop up so fresh and so clean in your podcast feed tomorrow afternoon. Sorry, I had to do the Outcast reference. If you've got feedback for us, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at georgiatoday at gpb.org. I'm Peter Biello. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.